So I do consider myself a coach. I consider myself a position coach and my, my position is life. And, and I say that to people all the time. Um, you know, the position coach can help the player reach their dream of being in the NFL. Um, I can reach their dream to achieve what I like to call their side hustle. The, the, little things they do here and there while they're in college that can help them be prepared for when those playing days come to an end. Cause we all know at some point it will come to an end. And when that is, you know, I don't know. And I, I hope that they go on and meet their goals of being in the NFL, but, um, but I want to be there for them uh, when those goals, you know, come to an end when maybe, you know, it, when they either achieve those goals or when that time comes to an end at some point. This is Tobruk Blaine, the director of Beyond Football at San Jose State University, and you're listening to the Heads and Tails podcast. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Som, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports health and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life. You can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, 4-3 Performance Lab, which has locations in Boone and Wyckoff, New Jersey. Uh, 4-3 offers handcrafted, tailor-made rehabilitation, nutrition, and training for athletes. And I've been around the physical therapy and sports performance world since 2007, and it's safe to say that not all PT practices are created equal. Uh, just as an example, after my knee surgery a few years ago, I developed debilitating kneecap pain, which was completely different from the pain that was addressed in the surgery, which was super annoying. I was eventually prescribed painkillers and anti-inflammatories and still found no relief. I was then basically told that I was screwed, uh, but based on a referral from my high school teammate and NFL fullback, Mike Burton, I began working with Dr. Daniel Clark, and I immediately started uh, to see results, uh, even after just the first treatment session. And I've been working with her and the rest of the team at 4-3 ever since. In my mind, 4-3 is the gold standard for sports rehabilitation and performance. Unlike the PT mills out there, you can expect one-on-one time with your physical therapist and also expert guidance from their technicians. Another thing I love about 4-3 is that they're always ahead of the curve on the latest evidence-based treatment and performance techniques. Some of these include blood flow restriction, which was an absolute game changer in my recovery from knee surgery, heat acclimatization chamber uh, for athletes training in triathlons or marathons in warmer climates, uh, muscle oxygen sensors, VO2 max testing, uh, resting metabolic r- rate testing, customized nutrition plans, a cycling studio where you can measure your FTP and watch Netflix while you're you know, getting your winter workouts in on those Wahoo smart bike trainers. And um, I reaped the benefits of, of that this past winter. Uh, and they also have Titleist TPI experts uh, to help you on the golf course and, and, and so much more. So uh, whenever my family or my friends ask me where to go for PT, without hesitation, I send them over to 4-3 because uh, pain is not something to, to ignore. And if you live in northern New Jersey like I do, uh, don't wait until it's too late. Listen to your body and book an appointment at, at team43.com. That's team 4 is in F-O-U-R, uh, the number 3.com. Uh, and if you're not in the area, be sure to follow them at team43 on Instagram. Uh, they're always posting great content to keep you healthy. Welcome to the Heads and Tails podcast. Today I'm excited to have on Tobruk Blaine, uh, who is the San Jose State University Beyond Football Program Coordinator and also a former award-winning educator and championship cheerleading coach. Um, I'm re- I've been following the program for years at this point, you know, since you started. I forget how I initially came across it, but I've been following you on LinkedIn and Instagram and all that good stuff. Um, and it's really cool to see the program that you've developed. So, um, Tobruk, can you you know, give us some background on what ultimately led you to move from uh, San Jose to become the first Beyond Football Coordinator? Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to share more about the program. I'm really excited at San Jose State with what we're doing here and um, particularly what we're doing with our Beyond Football program. So ultimately what led me to San Jose State was the opportunity to combine my coaching and teaching experiences into one. Um, I really feel that my experience as an educator for 10 years and then over 15 years of coaching, um, this is kind of a hybrid program and um, is allowing me to be able to apply both 
the knowledge in both areas. Plus, on top of that, um, I truly believe in what Coach Brennan is trying to do here at San Jose State, where we live, the Silicon Valley, what we have access to really makes um, a program like this pretty powerful. And um, I just knew when I heard about Coach Brennan and when I met him and all the things that he was going to do here, I knew I wanted to be a part of it. Really cool. So how did you come across the position? Because at the time you were uh, a cheerleading coach at Boise State, am I correct? That is correct. Yeah. So I um, am an Oregon State alum and Oregon State had a program with the title of Beyond Football, but they didn't actually publicize it as much as we do here. So I had um, been following their sports programs and, you know, obviously I'm a Beaver fan going there. I was a cheerleader there. So um, I had learned about this Beyond Football program and I started following the gal that was running it on her social media. Um, and I knew that Coach Brennan was a receivers coach there, just, you know, again, being a fan of sports. Um, so that's kind of how I knew about Beyond Football. And then when Coach Brennan got hired at San Jose State, um, I was just very interested in his, you know, him taking over that job and what that might entail, knowing that there was a beyond football program at Oregon State. I just thought, you know, maybe something like that could come about. And sure enough, um, that was like one of his top priorities. So that's kind of how it sort of all happened. Um, it's kind of a unique situation, but yeah. Yeah, you got all sorts of stuff going on. You got, um, you're an alumni, you got the social media connection. Um, I was just curious because I feel like I don't ever really see those kind of jobs advertised. Um, but it's cool how you, how you kind of were led down that path. Yeah, it was honestly one of those things where I um, would like look at what she was doing at Oregon State and think to myself, wow, that's, you know, really up my alley. That's something that I would love to do maybe in the future. Um, and actually at the time, a Netflix series had come out um, and Last Chance You. And there's a female in that role that's working with them academically. And so I had seen seen that. And so anyway, just the thought kind of went through my head. And because there aren't very many roles like that, I just tried to do my best to research it and um, see what the possibilities were and just be open minded about maybe something like that would happen one day. It's funny you mentioned the last chance you think, because when I was coming, kind of coming up with questions and preparing for this interview, you know, the thought crossed my mind of is there similarities between um, your role and uh, Miss Wagner's role in uh, Last Chance You? But at the same time, like I also don't want to insult her if that's like <laughs> no, not no. what she does at all. So, <laughs> well, I would definitely uh, say I would definitely say the similarities are just the relationships that she's de she developed with her players. I think that um, there's a level of that with me and my role and the, the opportunity that I have um, to develop these really, you know, genuine relationships with these players and um, the same type of relationship that you would deal with a player if you were their coach. Um, so I'm really in a unique position in that way here. So I would say that there's similarities there, but the other side of it is she dealt strictly with academics and I don't deal with the academic side at all. I support our academic staff and I support their process, but I'm not the one, um, you know, following through on, did you pass a class or did you get the credits that you need to graduate or things like that? Right. Or if you have a pencil, if you're a last chance youth fan. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So, all right. I'm glad you said it and not me. So, uh, so <laughs> Why did Coach Brennan feel it was important to develop the Beyond Football program uh, when he took over at San Jose uh, State University? Coach Brennan is an incredible coach. He cares so much about the whole man and the whole athlete, not just what happens on the field. Um, the on and off the field stuff is very important to him. He says often, um, if we handle our business off the field, then everything on the field will work itself out. And um, I truly believe that we are here. I mean, that's the reason why I've, I've coached and been a teacher is because I want to be a great impact in the lives of young people. And, um, you know, I have that same vision that Coach Brennan does. So because of that, um, he felt that Beyond Football Program could thrive in our location, San Jose, the Silicon Valley. I mean, the capital of innovation. So where we live and what we have access to here is unlike anywhere else. Um, what we can do for our athletes here at San Jose State is much greater than can be done at most universities. 
Yeah, really, really cool. I could, you know, tell about, yeah, the, the setting, um, why that would be a, a great fit. Um, but obviously, you know, I'm someone who struggled as an athlete with my transition to life after sports, which is part of the, like the reason why I started the podcast in the first place and why we're talking. Um, so when you took over the job, I feel like, you know, at that time, things were just starting to become more popularized in terms of that transitional life after uh, football. So it wasn't like you had a ton of examples to choose from. So, you know, you were the first one at that university at, at San Jose to have this role. So, you know, with a clean slate, what elements of the program did you feel were essential? And maybe like, how was that rollout? Like what was most important to start with, you know, versus, you know, how has, how has it evolved, you know, since? Yeah. Um, it's a great question. I think, you know, the starting point, I just remember like my first day being here and just sort of kind of staring at my office and thinking, okay, where do I begin? You know, normally you have like an outline of, okay, this is what we want you to do in a job. And I didn't have that. I was creating that. Um, so for me, the biggest thing and, and from like coach Brennan's influence was getting our athletes out in the community. So the community service component was really our biggest push. And most of that was for our players to sort of be inspired um, by the work that they're doing and inspire others. Cause we all know that um, the, how you feel when you walk away from giving back is just this really great feeling. And so it started in that kind of realm. And then from there, I realized that our players need to be exposed to things, not just community service elements, but professional development and what's happening on campus. I mean, they really, they really don't even know what, what's happening outside their little world. They kind of live in a bubble. So um, that sort of led me to believe that they need to explore, explore San Jose State University. They need to explore the Silicon Valley um, because they don't know what they don't know, right? They, many of these kids don't come from families that were, you know, raised in a home where they were uh, uh, in the tech world. So when I say working at Apple or working at Google or Facebook, you know, none of them think that's a reality for them because they don't even know what that means. They all think that they're all programmers that sit behind a desk and, you know, do do programming. Um, and, and that's what I would think, too, because I don't know, you know. So I realized that they just needed to be exposed to things. Um, so through the act of service and through that exposure, the other component led me to realize that they also need the skills to be able to be successful in those environments, to build relationships and build a network and know where their weaknesses are and have some goals set for themselves, you know, even as sim simple goals as, um, you know, building their story. And so when somebody walks up to them, when they're volunteering somewhere and says, oh, you're a San Jose State football player, tell me about yourself, that they have the confidence to be able to tell their story. They're what we would call maybe a 90-second elevator pitch. Um, so kind of that's where it all began. I have three components of the program. They're, they're like the three pillars. The first one is explore, exploring San Jose State and what the Bay Area has to offer. The second is inspiring, inspiring others through the act of service. And the third is cultivate, cultivating the skills, the knowledge and the relationships that are important and having success off the field. Um, so that's sort of, it kind of evolved into that. And, um, you know, I will say that with the explore piece, our student athletes have such a rigorous schedule that they don't have an opportunity to really experience what college life can be like from um, opportunities that are happening academically. So the career center on campus and the clubs and organizations that are happening within their colleges and um, you know, guest speakers that are coming to campus. I mean, for example, Condoleezza Rice came to campus last year and I was able to take a group of 20 players to that. And they would have never known that Condoleezza Rice was coming, nor do they really even know who Condoleezza Rice is. So for me, I, it was an opportunity for me to educate them, a teachable moment, take them and be a part of that. Um, so a traditional student, and I shouldn't just say for a student athlete, but even traditional students, we're not necessarily making a valid effort to find out what campus is offering so that we can really take full advantage of the college experience, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, it makes complete sense. And that was actually my main question from what you were saying before. It was the exposure piece because, you know, I worked at Rutgers football for three years as a student manager and 
you know, yeah, exactly. Those guys live in a bubble and they almost like don't have time to, you know, pursue these other things going on campus. Um, so how do you get them to these events? And like, how do you um, set up opportunities to give them exposure with their rigorous schedules like that? Like, do you, do you have the ability to kind of like block off some time or? Yeah. Um, what I, what I do is I work directly with our director of operations um, on the calendar. So then I have a good understanding of what the players' calendars are, um, maybe what an off morning, because we have one day a week we have an off morning um, where all the players normally would be in meetings or they would be normally lifting or something. So I use that time to schedule things. Um, and then the other piece of it is that I ensure that whatever I am promoting I believe in what's being promoted, and I I know that when they go to the event, that there's going to be value in it. They'll walk away feeling good about the experience that they had. So I'm very strategic in what I promote um, and or what I organize um, so that when they do end up going, they walk away saying, wow, that was really cool. And then the next time I'm promoting something, they are reminded, oh, yeah, I had a good time last time, so I want to go again. Because everything that we do for Beyond Football is completely voluntary. Nothing is mandatory. Yeah, I mean, that's an important piece to it because you're exactly right. Like, they're not going to go next time if it was boring as hell, you know, the, the first time you, you sent them there. Yeah. Um, so what, what elements do you look for in – these exposure items. I'm just thinking for someone listening to this that doesn't have the, doesn't have you for their football team or doesn't have you kind of helping them or pointing them in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not wasting their time either. Cause we know as you know, student athletes, like time is, is precious. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, I've had a couple miss hits here and there, but um, I usually make a couple phone calls and connect with people who are organizing the event. Um, and then I also, if I'm putting the event on, I make sure that I do a little research leading up to who is involved in the program. So um, I f- s- follow them on social media or I connect with them on LinkedIn. Like I look to see what they've already done. Um, I follow their Instagram because I want to see what kind of energy they have and what kind of brand they they put out there. Um, and then I'm, you know, if it's a cross campus event, I am connecting with people in the Career Center or in the College of Business or our alumni connection, whatever it might be. And I'm just asking questions, you know, tell me about this person. Um, and there's been times where I would say maybe half a dozen times where. I've sent a kid to something and it just, it was a waste of their time. And usually um, I'm lucky enough that I can apologize and say, you know, this is a process and I don't want you to spend, waste your time going to those things. And I think part of that is just like developing a good relationship with the player so that they know that I have genuine care for them and their time. Um, but it's not easy. I mean, it's, it's definitely something that, um, you know, you run into roadblocks here and there, but I would say to that person who is trying to navigate this, um, is just do a little bit of research on your own, um, and see if what you find you like. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And you had also mentioned that the participation in beyond football program, uh, isn't mandatory. So, you know, you know, what percentage of the players do you, you know, based off of your experience, you know, fully immerse himself in this program and, and take it seriously uh, versus, you know, guys who kind of show up here and there and, you know, don't take it so seriously. Yeah. Uh, when I first got here, there were a variety of uh, upperclassmen who did not make eye contact with me. Like they would walk by me and just kind of put their head down because I think that they didn't know what Beyond Football was. They didn't know what it meant. It didn't, they didn't know what more work that meant for them, you know, and I was one of very few females, um, around, you know, we have females in like athletic training and academics, but as far as our coaching staff goes, obviously I'm the only female in the office. So I think there was just this like level of uncertainty. And, um, what I just found was my ability to connect with the player just on a day to day. Hi, how are you doing? How are classes? 
you know, what's new, how's your girlfriend, those types of conversations. Um, the more that I could get them in my office and then the more I could get them in the, in my office, the more that I could promote events, the more that I could get to know them and then find events that I knew that they particularly would be interested in and be promoting events that I know that were specific to what they wanted to do. Um, you know, those kinds of things. And then on top of that, we were really, really lucky. When I first got here, um, there was ex some exposure from one of our assistant football coaches through social media, and the Ellen DeGeneres show got a hold of it, and uh, a video had gone viral because of it. And because of that, the Ellen DeGeneres show um, had partnered with Cheerios, and they donated some money to our program. So when I first got here, I didn't have any operational money at all. But because of the donation from the from Cheerios through the Ellen show, um, we were given some operational money. And so I ended up incentivizing Beyond Football through some gear. So I also in in on top of that was able to say, well, here's an Adidas t-shirt, you know, for completing X tasks, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, anyone who works in sports knows that you, you start throwing gear around, people will come. Yeah. And I do want to go back to the question of like, how much involvement did I have? Um, you know, I set a goal. I had a benchmark of asking every player in the spring to complete eight activities. Um, and if they wanted the gear, they had to do 10. They had to go above and beyond and do 10. And so what I did is I identified sort of cat those three categories that I explained earlier, explore, inspire, and cultivate. They had to complete two activities under each pillar and then do two more um, that would be above and beyond. And then on top of that, they had to have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with me and I had to have a position group meeting with the position group. If they did all those things and they met the goal of 10, then they got the um, the gear. Um, and the other piece that I added into that was if their entire position group as a way to hold each other accountable, if their entire position group completed the goal, then I took them out to an all you can eat dinner. Damn, that'd be <laughs> awesome. Yeah. But even, even so that that's a lot, you know, of commitment, you know, for a, you know, a, a, a piece of gear and, you know, a meal, um, so there's got to be some intrinsic motivation going on, you know, in there too. Yeah, we had 94% of our players complete in last spring, the first spring of me doing it, 94% of our players met the goal of 10. Okay. So and I, would you say I, that that's like pretty similar now? I would say, yeah, right now, um, we're probably, we're, we're in the last month of when the deadline is to meet the goal, but, um, I'm probably close to like about 80% right now. We've got a big push coming up this last month. Spring ball, our spring game is on Saturday. So I think once that's over, we'll have more guys getting involved. Cool. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, okay. So it's, I, I heard you talking before we, we started recording here and you were looking for headphones and you're talking to the guys and it's cool that you're you're one of the coaches so you know what style coach you know are you towards these athletes it's really awesome um i'm very accepted amongst the coaching staff and um, i'm a big part of what we're doing here and coach vernon has done a great job of making me feel that way um and it's been awesome so i do consider myself a coach i consider myself a position coach and my my position is life and and i say that to people all the time. Um, you know, the position coach can help the player reach their dream of being in the NFL. Um, I can reach their dream to achieve what I like to call their side hustle. The, the little things they do here and there while they're in college that can help them be prepared for when those playing days come to an end. Cause we all know at some point it will come to an end. And when that is, you know, I don't know. And I, I hope that they go on and meet their goals of being in the NFL, but, um, but I want to be there for them uh, when those goals, you know, come to an end, when maybe, you know, it, when they either achieve those goals or when that time comes to an end at some point. Yep. Yeah. I mean, happens to everyone. And yeah. I know you, you are uh, a well-decorated uh, cheerleading coach as well. So how does that experience translate to this uh, coaching experience? You know, I really don't see much difference between 
what I did as a cheerleading coach um, is to what our football coaches are doing. The, the difference is, is I can't coach a three, four defense and I can't teach you what that is, but as far as the accountability and the leadership and the true meaning of being a team player, like that's what, that's what coaching is all about. You know, the, the fine details that help you win the football game. Yeah. That's really, really important. And I can't coach that, but I can coach what it means to be here and work hard and take advantage of the opportunity that you're, you've been given. And I think in my role, um, that's what I really focus on is holding them accountable. Um, I have high expectations and I demand professionalism. Um, I'm firm with them, but I'm honest and they're going to get that out in the real world. And if I were to, you know, sugarcoat it for them, it's going to be a rude awakening when they leave here, because whether it be interviewing for a job or whether it be meeting with a GM or a scout in the NFL, um, there is no sugarcoating it. It's all a business, right? So even playing in the NFL, it's a business. So um, I think it's just really important for me as a as I view myself as a position coach that I really focus on that professionalism component, the the building of their brand. Who are they? What do they represent? What's most important to them? Um, and then ensure that I demand professionalism in the work that I'm doing because ultimately what I'm doing for them is going to help them you know, when they're 40, 50, et cetera, down the road. How do you, how do you get them to realize how important it is? Cause I actually remember what I was meaning to ask you before I asked that last question. And it was like, you said 94%, you know, completed the, the task to get the gear and, and the dinner. Um, but what about the, the 6%? Like, what do you say to the guys to make it, you know, to make it register that this is important for them? Um, I don't know if there's anything specific that I say, um, but I definitely just continue to like press the issue of it's not, not all about what you know, it's about who you know. And um, I often say stop just going to college. You know, don't just go to college, like show up and just be there, you know, like a blob. Like take advantage of the time that you have while you're here and the people that you have while you're here, because you aren't going to get that when you leave here. You know, all of these people that you meet, your professors, your counselors, your academic advisors, your coaches, the athletic director, all of these people that are in your life right now that sometimes you think are like nagging at you. These are the people that are here to help you when you leave here. Like you, it's all, you're all, all alone. You're on your own. It's up to you. You don't have that cheerleading squad pushing you to to uh, to achieve. And so that's just the message. I don't single them out. You know, I don't make them I don't try to make them feel bad. But I just say, you know, you're not getting you're not getting uh, opportunity like these other people are. And that's the thing is I have so many alumni that as this program begins to, to grow, reaching out to me saying, what can I do to get involved? What can I do to help? And through their connections, I'm getting job shadow opportunities, internship opportunities, you know. Um, and so the players that are eagerly involved in Beyond Football and that are making an effort because I know them and because they stop in my office and they make an effort to have a relationship with me, those are the players that are getting those internships. You know, those are the players that I'm writing a letter of recommendation for. So I think as the program grows, other players will slowly start to see that that is a big piece of how they can be successful, um, you know, outside of the football component. And I'll use one of our players, for example, um, that's currently he went uh, he uh, went to the combine and is, you know, a potential NFL prospect. We'll see what happens in a few weeks. But he. he took advantage of what we were doing here at beyond football. And, um, you know, he messaged me in the process of going through the combine and all that and said, you know, what I learned in your program really helped me feel confident when talking to these scouts and to these GMs. And that's the big message I keep saying to them is even if you think what I'm telling you right now doesn't apply to you, you know, today or tomorrow, like it does, because if you're so focused on the NFL, like what I'm teaching you is going to help you in that professional development you know it doesn't matter if we're talking about the nfl or if we're talking about a job at google like it's all transferable yeah and a a common theme that based off of what you said i kind of related to some other previous interviews that i've done with uh retired nfl players and stuff and a lot of them would say 
just like you did that like use your platform like now while you have it like when mm-hmm. it's when you say that you're an NFL player or you're a college football player it's much different than saying that you were a college football player or you were an NFL player um mm-hmm. it just has a little bit different clout so like mm-hmm. you said you know everyone has a platform to some capacity you know and For sure make the most of it while you have that and to try to, you know, get a bigger and bigger platform uh, and work your way up. Yeah. And to be honest, it's, it's an easy thing to do. It's, I I say this and I said it before, it's their side hustle. I tell them take 5% of your time while you're here to apply it to your side hustle. Instead of sitting on Twitter or playing a video game for an hour, do it for 30 minutes and then use those other 30 minutes to kind of research jobs or look on LinkedIn or, you know, follow someone that you look up to that's in, that is an NFL player and evaluate their side hustle and their their brand. What do you want your brand to be? Yep. You know, this is the time for you to decide what that looks like. Really cool. And I was also thinking, too, that a lot of like, I mean, your program's still kind of young. But um, the more success that your graduates from your program see, not only in like professional sports, but also in, uh, you know, the business world or whatever, you know, industry they choose to go into, uh, that kind of sells your program too. Like you could say, hey, this guy, you know, was a, a big contributor to this Beyond Football program and he really took it seriously and look at what he's doing now, you know? For sure. Uh, and you were... Uh, an athlete too, like like we talked about, that you were a cheerleader at Oregon State. So, what was your transition to life after cheerleading like, and how did this experience influence the Beyond Football program? You know, it's a great question because for me, I go back to um, just stop going to or stop um, just going to school because when I was in school, I sort of just was going through the motions, and I think this is very true for all college students, you know, um, it, it really depends, but you, you graduate from high school and growing up, you've been told like, you're going to go on to college for the most part. Um, some of, some of these kids are saying, you know, are, are the first generation college student, but they've been told along the lines by their parents and supporters that they're going to go to college. And that's how it was for me. You're just, that's just what you do. So, um, I sort of just aimlessly made my way through college And I didn't have much intention behind what I was doing. And so when I graduated, it was like, okay, what now? Um, And I knew that I wanted a coach. Uh, That was really important to me. I always said I wanted to be the coach that I never had um, because I really felt that I uh, missed out on some of the coaches along the way. I had lots of various coaches, people who quit new coaches coming into my life, that kind of thing. And so I just knew that I wanted a coach. And the one way to do that was through education. So getting a degree in education was my priority. Um, and then from there, I didn't really think much about, okay, well, where do I want to coach? And what is it high school? Is it junior high? Is it college? I don't know. I just sort of did it. Um, and then, it all came down to who I know. So again, it's not always about what you know, but it's who you know. Well, my high school that I graduated from was hiring a health teacher and a high school cheerleading coach. So because I had a good reputation when I was in high school there, I had former teachers that were still working there that put in a good name for me. And there I was, I was interviewing for a job. And I'll be honest, in that first interview, you know, I'm super jacked about everything that I had done in college, had this awesome portfolio that I'd put together. And to be honest, the principal only cared about my ability to coach. Um, that was like the one thing that he was really focused on was, um, what type of coach, you know, was I going to be, what was my coaching philosophy? Um, and so I would say it's not just about the student athlete because the non-athlete as well, we oftentimes just get in this, this position of we're going through, um, we're just going through college and we're going through the motions. Um, you know, whether you be a football player, a swimmer, a traditional college student, um, and then we graduate and we leave college. We're not taught in college and we're not taught in high school either what that transition is supposed to look like and what kinds of things we need to focus on and the importance of LinkedIn and the importance of a resume and the importance of internships. Like we don't really get taught those things. So I would say, because of my experiences and what I lacked, that has definitely 100% played a role in 
how I have impacted the lives of young people through teaching and coaching and through this program. No, that's great. And it's awesome that you're providing, you know, these athletes with opportunities to not just go through the motions. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think players seem to struggle with the most um, in terms of, you know, the, the pillars that you uh, set in place for them to, to achieve? Yeah. The biggest struggle I see in our guys is their ability to articulate their off the field story. All of them have spent their whole life in football and, and sport, and it's all been focused on football. And in their world, like football is it for them. This is their dream. Um, and this is that stepping stone to the ultimate goal. Um, their identity is football. So when you ask a player to tell me about themselves, you know, they oftentimes don't know what to say. Um, if they're talking to a football guy, it's easy, right? Because they can talk football all day. Um, but if they're talking to a business professional or to a professor or to me, you know, thinking that I don't know anything about football, uh, they have a really hard time articulating who they are, um, kind of their adversity that they face throughout their life that's got them to where they are today. Um, so I really, I really like to see players kind of um, get a little bit, again, I use the word intention, but I get a little bit in, of intention behind what got them to where they are, you know, because yes, their skill got them to where they are, but also they had to do a lot of other things to get them, you know, they had to take classes and they had to take the ACT and entrance into college, all those things um, to get them to where they are. And it wasn't just football that got them there. So I like to focus a lot on just the, um, you know, the small things that they don't realize play a huge part in who they are as a man, um, not just as a player. I love that. Could you give me, like, give the audience uh, an example of, you know, an elevator pitch for a, a player who has a, a strong identity as a football player and what, you know, how you would help ref help him rephrase that identity so it's not just football? Yeah. Well, I'll use an example of a player who um, he was a walk-on uh, linebacker. And um, he's now full scholarship starter, leader, uh, likely captain or future captain of, of the team. Um, so when, when we talk about his story, uh, he says those things. I was a walk-on. Um, I earned a scholarship. Um, you know, I'm, I'm considered a leader in my room um, and have the opportunity to lead the team. Um, so I've worked really hard to get there. You know, that's kind of what his story would be. So I help him phrase it with a little bit more emphasis on coming out of high school. I didn't get a lot of looks. People didn't believe in me as a player. And I knew that my work ethic and my drive to be able to earn a scholarship was what these coaches would see in me if they just gave me a chance. So by being a preferred walk-on, I proved to them every day, not only on the field, but academically, that I was someone that they could rely on, that I was a team member that they could trust, that I was going to do the job that I was there to do, and I was going to go above and beyond so that no matter what, they knew what they were going to get from me. And because of that, I earned a full scholarship to be able to play at a D1 university when nobody was even giving me looks initially out of high school. And now not only am I a full scholarship guy, but I am a starter and I am a leader in my room and I am a leader amongst the team with the opportunity to potentially be a captain. And so my work ethic and my drive and my willingness not to, not to stop and not to let the adversity get in the way of me achieving my goals by being a team player and going above and beyond to set the standard of what it means to be a college student who is a student athlete that wants to take advantage of every opportunity, that's what's allowed me to get to where I am today. Tobruk, I'm like jacked up right now, like ready to freaking like... <laughs> I don't know what, but that was amazing uh, how you rephrased that. And I got like chills just like listening to you. It's really cool. <laughs> um, and how, you know, a lot of these programs at least are kind of popping up here and there, you know, in big time division one college football. 
you see them here and there, and they get, they post it on you know the main Instagram page every so often. But just from my own experience, like you guys just do it different and, and in a good way. And I don't know what it is. Maybe that you guys are all in, and maybe the other ones are just kind of like checking a box or going through the motions like we've already talked about today. Yeah. Um, but what do you think separates your program from uh, uh, those at other schools? You know, we are really special here at San Jose State. And I'm telling you right now that I don't know if I could do this for any other head coach. I mean, I, I don't know a lot of head coaches, but um, working for Brent Brennan is what makes this possible, truly. Um, and then, um, and then of course our location is allowing us to do um do more than many other universities are able to. But in my opinion, the location, yes, that's huge. Um, but my position here at San Jose state is what makes us unique. Um, I like to compare it to like when you're in elementary school and you see your music teacher on Fridays. And so you only see that music teacher on Fridays, but you see your classroom teacher every day, right? You can only be allowed to have a certain relationship with your music teacher, which is different than the classroom teacher that you see every day. I am the classroom teacher. I am here every day. I am in staff meetings. I'm in team meetings. I am at practice. I am on the sidelines at football games. I travel with the team. I am here all the time, just like a position coach would be. So you can't get rid of me. That's what, that's what I like to tell the players is like, I'm around all the time and I am bought into what they are doing as a football football player, which I think allows them to want to be bought into what I'm doing as the Beyond Football Coordinator. So um, that right there is different. Most universities have a music teacher. Beyond Football here at San Jose State, we have a classroom teacher. I'm a position coach. I am full-time with the players as much as the position coaches are. Um, and then the second thing well, I should say third because the location's the first. Um, the second is just my position. And then the third, and, um, you know, it's a little hard for me to say this, but to be honest, I think that I bring an element to the table that is different than anywhere else. My, my role as a former teacher, my role as a former coach, um, that hybrid together, my um, experience working with a variety of student athletes and, um, dealing with them on different levels and knowing that every kid is different and that you can't just make a cookie cutter program um, that will fit the needs of all student athletes, that it's more intricate, intricate than that. Um, that to me is what makes this program successful and what makes us special. Before you even said number three, I literally wrote down in my notebook that I can't think of anyone better suited for your position than you. <laughs> and well, thank you. I that really do think that, yeah, I really do think that that's a, a huge reason why the your program is is so successful. Um, and I'm glad that you, you recognize that because I feel like a lot of times in sports too, like you're always taught to be humble, quote unquote. But at the same time, like you're you're a rock star. So I'm glad <laughs> thank that, you. That I you appreciate that you saying too. that. Um, and you you also just mentioned this too that you know, since every player is different, you know, how do you personalize the program to meet the needs of each student athlete? You know, it's a challenge and it takes time. Um, you have to be willing, willing to put in the time. And that was one thing that um, I learned right when I first started was how am I going to do this? There's 110 guys on our roster. Like I remember my first week of being here, we had just started fall camp and I sat out at the lunch line with a roster and I made every guy tell me their name as they went through the lunch line so I could start learning their names. Um, you know, it's, it's challenging to, to think about, and it's, it's overwhelming to think about how you're going to make this program unique for every single player because their needs are all very different. But one, one way I do that is um, I meet with every player one-on-one, -on -one, both in the fall semester and the spring semester. And it's about a 10 or 15 minute conversation, typically longer if they're a new athlete to our program. Um, but in that one-on-one -on -one meeting, I'm asking them some pretty specific questions. What's your major? Um, what do you see yourself doing in the future? But even beyond that of, you know, what are your goals? And if you could describe yourself in three words, what was, a, what would those words be? Um, this semester I asked them, when you leave San Jose State, what do you want your legacy to be? 
by me asking those questions, I can learn a lot about a player. I can learn a lot about their confidence. I can learn about a lot about where they think their strengths are. Um, maybe they have no idea and I can realize that they need a little bit more guidance. So those one-on-one -on -one meetings are a big way for me to kind of identify each individual area of need for the player. Then from there, I can develop a little bit more of a career map for each player. So I try to, um, you know, come up with specific events that would be beneficial to certain players. So if I know that a player is interested in real estate, or if I know that a player is interested in um, EA sports and they want to be in computer science, um, you know, what, what can I do to help them? And then I'm spending time seeking out opportunity within um, the university or within our Valley or with people to connect our players with those people. So um, that specific career map is a huge piece of it. Cause I do have benchmarks for each player, you know, I, in general terms, you know, I want them to have a resume. I want them to have a LinkedIn account. I want them uh, as simple as declaring their major when they get to their sophomore year. Um, but within those benchmarks, everyone's everyone, what that looks like is very different. So um, I try to dig deep with each player and find out who they truly are um, and then help foster that involvement as they go from the beginning um, you know, when I first meet them as a freshman to what they become as a senior. And I'm excited because, you know, I'm, this is my second spring here. So I'm getting closer to like that freshman class approaching their senior year. Um, and it'll be really fun for me to see sort of how they've grown. Um, I remember seeing that as a coach, you know, when you deal with a freshman and you see them all the way through to their senior year, you can see the, the, how they evolve as a person and quality of character, but also as an athlete. Um, and so I'm excited to see that same growth in this program. Yeah, really cool. Um, so this podcast, we talk a lot about injuries and I had a traumatic brain injury that kind of, you know, ended my football career and kind of led me down this path that led me to talking to you today. So have you noticed that the Beyond Football program, you know, has benefited injured athletes any more so um, than, you know? Yeah. Um I don't think it has. So I, I definitely can see maybe how, cause I guess from the sense of like, they may have more time on their hands because of the injury, but at the same time, they are working with our weight, weight staff and with our athletic training staff to rehab. So their time really isn't, um, uh, as much as the play, like they still have the same time commitment as the players. Um, on the other side of that, though, is we have had um, a couple of players retire from playing due to, like, severity of an injury. Um, and so it sort of has, you know, I guess at first they didn't think it was going to be something that would be career en ending, but it, it changed over time and they realized that they couldn't put all their eggs in the football basket anymore. Um, and so because of that, I am definitely working with players like that to really reach out to our community with regard to internship opportunities and job opportunities. We were able to place someone last year um, who was um, had decided that they were not going to continue on with football. And so I was able to get him an um, internship with a company uh, in medical sales. And they actually offered him a job um, after he had done his internship, but they uh, the location for him, he wanted to move back to where his family was. So, um, he wasn't able to take the job, but yeah, I mean, we don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily say that injured athletes have more access to what I'm doing than someone who's not injured, but in the event of something like you're saying where, um, they're no longer able to play football, uh, then we are 100% trying to help elevate the process of them, you know, truly, um, taking advantage of beyond football and what that looks like for them. Cause I think it's a hard, hard realization to come to, right. To, to realize that everything that you've yeah. ever hoped for is not, it isn't possible anymore. And so working through that, um, it can be hard. And that's what I'm here to do is help them through that process and, and show them that there is opportunity. That's just as competitive. You can still get that competitive spirit that you get from football in a workplace. Um, you know, and have all those things fulfill your life, have a fulfilling job that you just never realized existed before. Yeah. I think I might've phrased, uh, the question, uh, in, incorrectly. I think what I was more so asking was, 
with you know, if an athlete is participating in the Beyond Football program and they're you know consistently meeting their benchmarks and everything, and they're very fully immersed in the program, you know, should an injury come up, do you notice that the loss of identity or temporary loss of identity, uh, like that blow, is kind of softened because they've developed an identity, you know, through your program? Yes, absolutely. Um, I luckily haven't been in a position yet where it's been, you know, a handful of guys. I'm have one player in particular that I'm thinking of as we talk about this, but um, yeah, that initial decision uh, that, or, you know, being told that football isn't going to continue for them is, is tough. But uh, in, in this particular instance, I reached out to that player. I scheduled a meeting with them. I gave them um, their space if, if, at first, uh, but let them know I was there for them. And then we were able to, once he was able to kind of take a deep breath, it was like, we tackled the future. So yeah, hundred uh, um, percent. It's helpful for them to know. All right, I've got someone else here to support me in that next step. Yeah, great. Um, did you ever suffer any injuries as an athlete? I did not. I did not. I was really, really lucky. It wasn't until I was coaching that I tore my ACL. <laughs> but it was later on. Oh, really? How'd you? Yeah. How'd you do that? Um, I just was, uh, an out of shape former cheerleader that was deciding that I wanted to do standing back tucks with my team. And, uh, <laughs> I did standing back tucks with my team and on like the 10th standing back tuck, I tore my ACL. And then I didn't know that. Did I tore, you, did tore you know my, right away? Uh, I didn't. Well, I knew that I really messed up my knee like really bad. Um, I may have had some choice words in front of my athletes because it was really painful. Um, but I, I didn't know right away, but I also didn't want to admit that I was hurt. So I sort of ignored it. Um, and to be honest, I actually went 10 years without doing anything about it before I got surgery. <laughs> so I was able to, um, I just was never able to tumble again and I was never able to do anything side to side. Um, I actually ran two half marathons on a torn ACL. Um, but I didn't know that it was a torn ACL. Like I just thought that I hurt my knee really, really bad. And then I never went to the doctor. And so then I just like continued on with life every day after that. And then slowly, but surely like modified my life to be able to do what I want to do, which I knew I couldn't tumble anymore. And I knew that I couldn't, you know, like do side to side type of movements. Um, but then when I got the Boise state job, because of the access that I had to some of the doctors, I ended up going and having somebody look at it and I didn't even have to get like an MRI. She could tell from the initial test that they do that I didn't have an ACL. So yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah. it <that> was crazy. <laughs> so yeah, I was going to ask you, I'm like, well, how did you eventually figure out that you tore your ACL? But yeah. you told me. Yeah. So as we kind of uh, wrap up our conversation here. Um, you know, is it too late for your, you know, if your sport ends and you're, you don't, you're on prepare, I'm thinking of, you know, athletes who don't have the benefit of being in your program, you know, what kind of like translatable skills should they focus on? Mm -hmm. It's never too late. Um, my biggest thing is don't just go to school, take advantage of every event and every person you meet along the way, network, network network. Every person that you come across is someone that can help you. So build your brand, um, build that side hustle, make it a priority and um, develop a good reputation. When people say your name and they talk about you, make sure that, that you have something to back that up. You know, don't, don't network, 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 and then go two years without talking to that person and then reaching out to them. This is a network where you follow up with them every six months or you ask them to coffee or you um, are sending a handwritten note to them um, at Christmas time. You know, you're really making an effort to care about their role in your life. Um, and then as opportunities come about, and you need that letter of recommendation or a call of reference, or there's a job opening at the same university that you're applying to that they work for or whatever it is, then you have these pockets of people um, that can be, be there to support you. And, you know, your reputation has backed up your, your network, if that makes sense. Um, and I will just, no, for, for sure. I would just continue to say like to students in general, 
don't just go to school. Every person you come across with, come across is, is a process of your future. Really cool. So in terms of the network, I know I just know from my own experience in like trying to find a mentor or, you know, something like that, you know, like I'm always hesitant to reach out because I don't want to annoy the person or I, I'm a, I don't have confidence. I am not adding value to the relationship and I'm just like taking, you know, so what advice do you have for, you know, the guys on your team when they feel like that? I don't think, you know, I think that you should be a little strategic about it. Um, as long as you're not asking for a lot, you know, it's just a quick, Hey, hope you're doing well. Or if, for example, with LinkedIn now, it's really awesome because you could see a great article that somebody posted and send a quick message of like, thanks for sharing or, um, Hey, haven't talked to you in a long time. Hope things are going well. You know, just small things like that. Um, I think can go a long way without feeling like you're having to ask for something, quote unquote. Uh, but at the same time, I think when we're young uh, and people who are older that are working in the professional industry, like we want, most of us want to help other people. And if you're a good person and you've left a good you know, name for yourself and a lasting impression, then we're going to help you. So it's not, we're not being bothered by a young person to say, Hey, would you be willing to do this for me? Or could I meet you for coffee? I'd like to pick your brain. Um, I think that if you think that you are bothering them, then you're doing yourself a disservice because the worst case scenario is they tell you no, right? It's the worst case scenario. And I also think that the worst case scenario is that they tell you like, ah, she was too persistent. Like she kept bothering me. Well, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You're eager, right? You want to succeed. So, um, I just don't think that that quote worst case scenario circumstance is enough to like stop you. Right. Yeah. To just stay on the radar. doesn't have to be anything wild. Just, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you let them know you're, you're thinking about them. For sure. Uh, all right. So where can listeners follow your work online? So we have, um, a Twitter and Instagram for beyond football. It's S J S U beyond F B, um, on Twitter and Instagram. And then, um, my personal Twitter is Blaine underscore TB. Um, and then also on LinkedIn, um, Blaine on LinkedIn. And we have a San Jose State football LinkedIn as well, um, where I do a lot of most of my postings about what we're doing and beyond football is through the San Jose State LinkedIn. And then I'll reshare it through my personal LinkedIn. But um, the, those are the two are uh, those are Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn are the biggest places that we are promoting what we're doing. And um, the last piece I'm building right now is a website on our San Jose State football um, website. So there'll be probably in the next week or so, there'll be more content that's being seen on the social media side on our website. Great. Um, I'll link all those up in the show notes. And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I added a question um, that wasn't on the outline that I sent you. Um, who, who is the toughest player on the team and why? Toughest in what regard? <laughs> like physical In whatever tough? regard, toughness is, whatever definition of toughness is in your head. Oh boy, this is a tough question. <laughs> I'll give you some context. Okay. I'll give you some context. Okay. So I ask almost all the athletes that come on here that had injuries, um, what their definition of toughness was. Uh, because my definition of toughness when I was 17 is much different than my definition of toughness as a 29-year-old. Um, and I think a lot of what my definition was you know, back then led me to be injured and led me down a path that was very unfulfilling and didn't lead to great uh, confidence in myself. So I'm curious if there's anyone on your team um, that you feel is a tough individual that might be uh, not along those lines of traditional sense of what being tough is. Yeah. From a physicality standpoint. Uh, Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, The one player that I would say is our quarterback, Josh Love. He is, he is uh, a great leader. Uh, He's faced some adversity. Um, He, he faced adversity last season um, and the season prior to that, um, you know, he has kind of 
had to continue to push himself and overcome those barriers. And he's, it's led him to this leadership role on our team. Uh, you know, he's a really good example of someone that has that emotional toughness. He has the physical toughness. Um, as a leader, he can take the good and the bad and the criticism. It's not, it's not easy to be a quarterback for a team that um, is struggling from the wins and losses side of things. Um, so I would definitely say our quarterback, Josh Love. All right. Thanks for the example. I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. <laughs> You're good. Um, but uh, Tobruk, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and your busy schedule uh, with, the, with the football team to uh, come on the podcast, share your best practices and how you built up this amazing program. Uh, and like I said, I, I can't think of anyone better suited for your position. And in my in my mind, it's like what I would consider like a dream job. Um, <laughs> I would love to do something like what you're doing. So if you hear of anything uh, at a different school, let me know. I'll keep you in and, mind. Uh, yeah. And at the, at, in the same light, you know, going through what I've gone through, um, just with the identity issues and the injury and stuff like that. You know, if I was a, a high school kid at this point in time, I'd be sending my highlight films to the San Jose State University just because of what you guys have, have built over there and what I know is important um, to be a more well-rounded individual for that when that day ultimately does come when, you know, football or whatever sport it is, you know, isn't going to be a, a part of your life anymore. Um, that you're ready and you're okay with it to move on to, to something else. So yeah. thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.